you just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. And we lied to them during recruiting or we, we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Yeah, you know, right now uh, we have the atmosphere of a, of a JC softball game. You know, I mean, that's what we are, JC softball team. As long as, you know, uh, it's 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 not whether you win or lose. It's like who, the, the the team that wins is the one that has the most fun. You know that crap like that. You know all this stuff that's contaminated America, where they give every kid a trophy and they don't keep scoring little league anymore. Now that's also it's second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. Yeah. Winning the SEC probably is harder than winning the national championship. Do you know that? Well, how about the fucking dogs? Turn that down, you Hey, buddy, this beer's for you, Mike, and cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the pirate, and the pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State. Oh, welcome in to the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And guess who bailed yet again? Cousin Shane's supposed to be on the line. Listen here, I got a text from this guy. I said, you ready to do the pod? He said, don't be mad. I'm headed to Paula Dean's restaurant. Swear. <laughs> He's got to be the only podcast host in America that ditches a show for Paula Dean restaurants. If you follow Cousin Shane at Big Orange Vols, let him know you're disappointed in him. And I hope that damn Paula Dean was worth letting everybody down. But that's not going to ruin our show because, uh, hey, we like I said, we've got tons of comments here from around the SEC, so let's just get right into it. And uh, before we go around the league, you know, big news from the SEC. The SEC has announced Commissioner Greg Sankey had his contract extended through the 2026 season. And I think it's easy to say, you know, he's the most powerful man in college athletics right now, so this makes total sense. And if you caught all the media days activity, I mean, it seemed like every damn coach that went up there praised the job Greg Sankey has been doing and for good cause. I mean, we weren't even aware at the time that he was wheeling and dealing, getting Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC. That, uh, you know, I think it's natural to sit here and say, well, because of that monumental move, we're giving him an extension, and he deserves it. But a lot of us tend to have short-term memory. Let's not forget this time last year. I don't think Greg Sankey gets enough praise for keeping – not only the SEC, but all of college football afloat when you had people like the Big Ten and the Pac-12, they canceled their season. I mean, we all know the story. And it was the SEC, it was the Big 12 that hung together and uh, eventually the ACC as well. So Greg Sankey, gets, uh, he deserves all the praise. He deserves this extension. And it's uh, good to know that uh, his contract is extended through 2026. And it's just me. I'm reading between the lines here. You know, they keep saying Texas and Oklahoma 2025. The fact that they're extending Greg Sankey's contract, I think that the SEC's got uh, 
a lot of confidence that Texas and Oklahoma are going to be in the SEC a lot sooner than that. And because I don't think, you know, again, I think this is the uh, the ultimate reward for the complete package, but really for getting Texas and Oklahoma and hopefully getting them in a lot sooner than the 2025 season. Hey, one thing that uh, I really wanted to hit on before we jump around the league, we got comments from uh, Dan Mullen, Sam Pittman, and Shane Beamer on the show. But sportsbetting.ag has put out odds for quarterback competitions around the SEC. And, you know, these are some of my favorite odds each and every offseason when these start rolling out because there's really good value in some of these. Others, not so much. You can kind of see the perceived favorites, certainly by these odds. And I want to start with the two that uh, I think most people are going to assume these odds are dead on. And it starts with Mississippi State. Will Rogers, minus 225. He's a heavy favorite over Jack Abram, who's listed at plus 140. So minus 225 to plus 140 gives you an indication of just how overwhelming Will Rogers is favored to win this job. So just based on those odds, Will Rogers is a heavy favorite, and I've checked into this. You know, he's confident. Behind the scenes, they're confident that Will Rogers, as long as uh, he doesn't have any huge issues in training camp, going into, uh, you know, really his first camp. I don't know if people are aware of this, but he was a guy that uh, basically all fall camp was unable to participate this time last year. He was one of the COVID guys. So, uh, K.J. Costello came out, and he was set the world on fire, set the SEC record, but uh, we all know after that it was a tough climb, and they had to go to Will Rogers, true freshman, and he had his ups and downs. But by the end of the season, he was playing really well and looked to be the guy for the foreseeable future, and I still think that's the case. So Will Rogers, heavy favorite, again, minus 225 to win that starting quarterback job over Jack Abraham. And then the other one, no surprise in my opinion, Texas A&M, Hayes King, minus 140 to Zach Calzada, plus 100. So this race is a lot closer than the Mississippi State race, just based on these odds. But this is the way we've been leaning all offseason. Hayes King, Texas A&M, we all know, you know, they're replacing four starters on the offensive line. Yes, they're bringing back potential All-American and Kenyon Green. So, you know, and we had Billy Lucci on the show talking and the talent they have on that offensive line, but talent alone doesn't always get you success on the offensive line. It's a lot about that experience factor, the continuity, you know, so many moving pieces from last year's unit to this year. And who does that favor? I don't think this is the sole reason they would go with Haynes King, but a guy with legit, what were they saying? Four or five speed at six foot three, 200 and whatever he is. I don't know if he's that big but Hayes King, the mobile guy, you got to figure is going to be, you know, have an advantage potentially over Zach Calzada. Might be a different story if it was last year's offensive line, where I think they allowed like two sacks last year, something crazy like that. This year might be a little bit different story. Jimbo may need to go with the guy that uh, has the legs, but as Billy Lucci said, Hayes King can beat you with his arm too. So it's not just based purely on that, but it's just the overall talent. I think Hayes King is going to win that job. Main reason I really wanted to talk about these odds, Tennessee quarterback odds. And I do not understand these. Of course, it's, uh, you know, based on these odds, it's really up for grabs. But Joe Milton, plus 100, the favorite to win the job. 
Harrison Bailey, plus 150. And then here's the guy I put my money on, Hendon Hooker, plus 250. I've been saying for a while I think he's going to be the starting quarterback, at least coming out the gate. And I think that, uh, you know, that's what these odds are for. They're for who's going to start game one. Hendon Hooker may have not had the, the best spring game, and I think we read a little too much into spring games at times. Now, certainly they brought in Joe Milton for a reason. You don't bring in another transfer if they were enamored with Hendon Hooker. But, you know, go back and watch their, their games. I mean, it's not even comparable. When you go with Joe Milton, Hendon Hooker, just based on what they've done, and many people get enamored with these big-arm quarterbacks. That's what Joe Milton is. He's a, he's a huge guy, six foot five, 230-something pounds. He, he looks like Cam Newton, and he's got a huge arm. So naturally you think that's your guy maybe. But I'm telling you, Hendon Hooker, he's a leader. He's got way more experience. He started his career, I believe he was 6-1. and one. He won his first six games as a starting quarterback, including on the road, his first ever start, come from behind win, game-winning drive against Miami. And I put uh, you know him leaving Virginia Tech more on that Justin Fuente and that program that's just not doing much of anything than I do on Hendon Hooker. So, and then he got banged up, and there was another quarterback, and that's why he left. So I'm just saying, I'm, I'm not guaranteeing Hendon Hooker is going to be your starting quarterback, but at plus 250 compared to Joe Milton plus 100, I like Hendon Hooker. Those odds should be flipped. Put your money on Hendon Hooker. And Tennessee's quarterback coach, Joe Hazel, I think is how you say his name, uh, he spoke to the media here on Thursday. I just going to play a real quick clip. And he really talked up uh, Hendon Hooker here. So just a little little clip here for you. Yeah, Hendon um, has done a great job pushing. He, uh, You can see the uh, how hard he works and everything he does. Yeah, in the classroom, but he's made a bunch of adjustments. He's completely changed his body. He's big, he's fast, he's strong. And he worked his butt off on getting his mechanics where he needs to be. So not only mentally is he in the right place, but he can make all the throws that he needs to make once he's there. Um, that guy works as hard as anybody that I've been around. So he did a great job taking advantage of this summer and, and uh, getting himself an opportunity to play this fall. All right, so there you have it from Tennessee's quarterback coach singing the praises of Hendon Hooker, and, and certainly he's singing the praise of a lot of these guys. We're only day, two days into camp here at Tennessee, so they're by no means going to make a decision anytime soon. But that's just something to keep your eye on. Put you some money on if you're looking for one of these quarterbacks that's not favored among these odds at Mississippi State, Texas A&M, and Tennessee. I think Hendon Hooker is your best bet to, I don't even consider it an upset, but according to the sportsbetting.ag, it would be. But all right, uh, hey, we got a couple coach clips to get to, so let's hop it around the league. Now let's go around the league. My my daughters said something about me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because I'm getting bald. So, uh, <laughs> so I'm gonna wear a hat from here on out. I mean, if you look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should, we should mix those games up, and you should, um, you know, play more teams from the West. Why, why don't you start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us, and we'll play them. Right, we'll play anybody you can get to play us. In Louisiana, hold on a second. Hey guys, hey, I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you. All right, so listeners know of this show, thing that caught my eye the most from SEC Media Days when you're talking 
the Florida Gators was just Dan Mullen talking up Emory Jones. I mean, he just did it time and time again, and that has continued on into his first media availability of uh, training camp, really hyping up Emory Jones and the strengths. They're going to engineer the offense to Emory Jones. It's going to look a lot different than how it looked with Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts and Kadarius Toney and all that. So uh, that was kind of the thing that once again stood out to me. Dan Mullen continues to sing the praises of Emory Jones, while at the same time, I thought these were some really interesting comments where Dan Mullen is, uh, you know, kind of an open book here, talking about they have faith in Emory, they know he's got the talent to succeed, but you just never truly know until a quarterback is put into situations they've never been asked to handle. I thought these were some uh, really insightful comments here from Dan Mullen. Um, last year before the season, I don't think many people expected Kyle Trask to go off in the way he did, you know, mm -hmm. competing for a Heisman Trophy. And here comes Emory Jones in here waiting for a few years, and maybe people don't expect a ton out of him in that same way. What are you seeing going in? Do you see similarities in how they're entering the season, and what do you expect from Emory Jones? Yeah, I, I mean, similarities within their, their personality, similarities within their approach, similarities with how they've developed um, and how they've matured. You know, obviously their skill sets are extremely different. Uh, you know, and they're, they're, you know, one of the things that, that is important for us is, you know, to play to the skill sets of our players. So you're going to uh, do things differently, you know, and it's do things differently at the quarterback position and then do things differently at every position where you have new faces uh, that you're playing to their skill sets and their strengths uh, out there on the field. But I think Emory... Uh, has, you know, learned an awful lot, you know, from a guy like Kyle Trask that two years ago, I don't know if anybody even wouldn't, you know, maybe except for, for you guys to kind of know the roster and cover the team, a, a, even a, a regular Florida fan really wouldn't have known his name uh, that much to be in kind of a, a national spotlight Heisman Trophy finalist, top NFL draft pick uh, type of guy. So I, I think Emory has, has learned a great deal in the maturity of how to handle himself, how to prepare, how to how to be ready for your moment. And so, I mean, I expect great things out of him this year. Uh, going back to Emory, uh, how much does the mental challenge for him change in a season like this compared to last year where he comes in now knowing that he's going to be the guy? Uh, I, I think for him, I, I think the expectations, but being a mature guy, it helps. I think, you know, being around the guys, seeing how they handle it, uh, how to prepare for different situations, um, how he gets himself ready for the season. You know, I think there's a lot to that within maturity of knowing how to prepare and how to do things. And, um, you know, and then the expectations that come along with that and the responsibility when everybody's looking at you. I mean, he's got to go win the job still, but I think everybody looks at you as the guy that's going to be the guy. Um, there, there's certain different levels of expectations uh, for you within the good and the bad, and I think the maturity certainly helps him to be able to handle all of that. Hey, uh, you mentioned earlier that uh, when Trask replaced Philippe, uh, mm -hmm. you know, that the fans probably weren't very confident at that moment, but you've probably had your own confidence level in that transition, and you've had a lot of quarterback uh, ascension issues over the years in replacing quarterbacks. What is your comfort level with this one compared to others? Uh, no, I'm great. You know, kind of the same way. I think, you know, there, there's little things you don't know until it happens. 
right? Of, of, and there's, because there's situations that maybe these guys have never been in before. Um, you know, I had a lot of confidence in Kyle when we put him in the game, but there, he was going into a situation I have not seen him in a ton and how he was going to handle that. And he handled every situation that was thrown at him extremely well. Uh, my confidence in Emery as a player is extremely high. My confidence with his maturity is extremely high. Um, now, he's also, though, going to get him put, put in situations we haven't seen him have to handle. Um, right? I mean, one of the everyone's favorite player on the team is the backup quarterback, right? I mean, most, right? I mean, everybody loves the backup quarterback. And, uh, you know, so I think that is, uh, is such a, a big deal of now all the extra responsibilities that you haven't had to handle that come that are really almost non-football related, more mental in, in handling different situations and pressures. Uh, you know, not how is he going to handle a third down and four, uh, I have no worries about that. You know, it's handling all of what comes with being a starting quarterback. All right, so some good stuff there from uh, Coach Mullen. And, uh, you know, I think he's dead on the mark. It's one thing to – we all know there's players that uh, excel in practice in the offseason. Then once the, the lights get turned on and, hell, I mean, we got week three, we're playing Alabama. You know, how is Emory Jones going to respond when he is the man in Gainesville just – you truly don't – we'll never – you're not going to get an answer until we see it. So uh, I thought that was an interesting comment from Dan Mullen. But here's the thing. Dan Mullen is going to do everything in his power to make sure that Emory Jones, when he's faced with these tests, that he's got the answers to them, so to speak. He's going to prepare him. He's going to put him in a position to get the most out of him and the talent around him. So this isn't to say, you know, he's backing down off his uh, – hype here of his quarterback, but just uh, some interesting comments that, you know, I think he's being a forthright here and you don't get that from a lot of coaches. And we all know that Dan Mullen, there may not be a better one in all of college football that coaches the quarterback position. So, you know, I wanted to share those uh, insightful comments, but that's not all we had from uh, Dan Mullen. Brenton Cox, who had the offseason surgery here in June. And I know uh, <laughs> there were some Feuding back and forth between uh, Georgia media and Florida media and them talking about uh, Brenton Cox may miss some time. That doesn't sound to be the case, according to Dan Mullen. So that's great news. Brenton Cox started every game for the Gators, one of their best players on the defensive side of the ball. And then Demarcus Bowman. I mean, so much hype around this kid. Florida, It looks they look to be relying on the ground game this year. Demarcus Bowman, they're going to need him to step up. And, and after coming in from Clemson, the five-star from Lakeland down there, poised to be in a position. I know Florida's got a couple running backs, so it's not all on Bowman's shoulders. But, hey, if you got three or four really good running backs, it's just going to make it that much easier to rotate them in and out, keep them fresh all SEC season. So let's kick it over to Dan Mullen talking about Brenton Cox and Demarcus Bowman. Demarcus Bowman limited in spring. Have you had enough reps or – Enough to see, you know, the juice he brings potentially. We'll see. You know, I mean, he, I mean, he looked good in a little bit in spring, but he, he, we got to see how he picks things up, how he learns, and obviously, you know, I mean, that that hurts. You know, being a uh, being a, a first year player when you kind of miss a whole installation. You know, this is kind of now. It's almost like he's going through the installation and learning it all for the first time because of how much he, you know, he missed of the installation in spring. 
Yeah, Dan, uh, Brenton obviously had to sit out a year before he was able to play. Having had that year now back under his belt in 2020, what, what are you kind of expecting from him, and then how's he dealing with that uh, foot recovery? Yeah, I mean, we expect him to be back. You know, I mean, I don't know if we're going to let him go 100% right on day one, but, you know, he's going to be, be out there practicing right away. Um, and building him up right now, you know, with the time that he's missed, building him, him up, getting ready back to being 100% in – not, not just the foot injury and within his training conditioning, all that stuff. Um, you know, I expect big things out of him this year because, you know, I thought, I thought he had a really solid year last year. Uh, now a second year in the system, more experienced, more veteran guy, an older guy, having to learn, look at what he did well and poorly last year and how to, how to build off of that. I, I, I have tremendous respect for, for, for Brent because you're, you look at a guy that highly profiled recruiting guy, um, People had all kinds of questions about him. You know, he's come in here and been, I think, SEC academic honor roll every, I mean, since the day he stepped on campus, uh, handles his business at an extremely high level in the, in the, the locker room, uh, in the classroom, uh, and on the practice field. I mean, the effort and the, how, what he was able to do the year, he knew he couldn't play to come out every day, work, get better, be a team guy, give the team a great look, and excel in the classroom, uh, I think is very, uh, shows a lot of the character and the type of person that he is and, you know, really why he fits being a Florida Gator. Some positivity there from Dan Mullen concerning uh, potentially two of the better players on the roster this season in Gainesville. That's what you want to hear going into training camp. And one little, uh, <laughs> one more antidote. I just thought this was great. Anytime we can get these coaches having some fun in this, these media availabilities, we try to include it. And Mullen was asked about uh, coaching in the snow. Has he ever done that before? And he shared a great story of having to do the hand signals. It's freezing cold out, and he's got the gloves on. You can't see what he's signaling there. So uh, let's kick it down to uh, Dan Mullen one more time. How would you feel about possibly coaching in the snow? How would I feel about coaching in the snow? Yeah. I mean, I've done it. Um, is, it any, is it any different? Yeah, it's like cold. <laughs> okay, you know, I mean, it's. <laughs> I, I mean, I'll give you two, like a funny snow story. So we're coaching. Um, I'll get the year off, but we're at, at Utah at BYU for the Mountain West Championship, a game we won three to nothing. Okay. Um, <laughs> I think it was three nothing. And I mean, it was three nothing, right? It was, it was our first year at Utah, and it was like in a blizzard hmm? in 03. Is that what it was? And I mean, I'm on the sidelines trying to signal plays, right? And I mean, you got these big gloves on you're trying to signal with, and Alex is like, it's hard to see. I'm like, well, you better figure it out because I'm not taking the gloves off, you know, <laughs> of what I'm signaling to you. And I remember like the kind of the, it was the blizzard. It was like coming down almost sideways, like freezing cold. And Mike Sanford's up in the box. as the OC. He's like, ooh, okay. Boy, it looks like it's kind of calmed down and got a lot nicer down there on the field for us to open things up. I'm like, why don't you come out of the box and see what it's like down here on the field? You know, if you think it's been a whole lot nicer down here because it's still about 10 below zero with snow coming sideways. Right, how great was that? And we've all been there. Where we're the, the low man on the totem pole, and your boss is, uh, you know, <laughs> acting like your job's a lot easier than uh, than you think it is. And you know, I think that's something that we could all kind of relate with there. All right, next, let's kick it on down to Fayetteville. Woo pig! Where Arkansas had their first media availability of training camp here. The Razorbacks are getting underway this weekend, and hey, again. And I got a little heated. We were talking about this team during SEC media days. I 
so much disrespect, and that's fine. I think that's kind of that's where the Razorbacks like to live, man. They like to, you know, no one's going to be picking them. Seen plenty of people have them dead last in the West. I have no idea what those people are thinking, but Razorbacks are going to be a team, continue to be on the rise. And one thing I really note here, and I think we saw this last year to a degree, but I think it kind of tapered off just with the not having quite the depth they wanted where they wanted it. Then, you know, the, the linemen not having the bodies that uh, Sam Pittman desires them to have frame that Sam Pittman is kind of looking for. They kind of wore down. But the continuation of this program taking the mindset of their head coach, Sam Pittman, you know, true and true Arkansas, hell, Sam Pittman himself, underrated. Everyone thought that was a joke. Arkansas, toughest schedule in the country. They're going to go 0-10. I mean, that was what almost everybody thought, even some Arkansas fans. My God, why is the SEC screwing us with this schedule? Well, they came right out and punched Georgia in the damn mouth. And, you know, in the second half, Georgia won out because they have one of the better rosters in all the country. But that set the tone for the season. And that's something Sam Pittman hit on here, uh, heading into uh, what he is looking for week one in his second training camp as Arkansas head coach. Well, is there anything in particular you're looking for this first week, either, you know, from pace or, you know, just anything? What, what are you looking yeah, for? Yeah, I'm really looking for team 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 leadership. I, I want to see the team push each other, and uh, the more the team can 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 control the tempo, um, the um, strain of practice, the better football team you're going to have. Um, We'll certainly have our expectations, but you'd like for the expect expectations to be met by the players. And that's when you have a pretty good football team and they feel like they own the team. And, and uh, so that's probably the number one deal because coming out of the spring and coming out of summer, uh, you felt like the team was getting ready to take, take its ownership of themselves. And uh, then that becomes belief and a lot of um, uh, certainly – uh, confidence comes out of that. So that would be the number one thing. Defensively, um, we have to be able to get the offenses we're playing behind the chains. Uh, we think that's the biggest thing for Barry and them is, you know, quit getting into second five, second to six, and let's go to second 12 and second and 10. Uh, give, us, give ourselves a little bit better chance. Certainly third downs, getting off the field was a big part of that as well. So there you have it from Coach Pittman. And it's interesting, you know, looking for leadership from this team that returns so many seniors. You know, I, I'm sure that he feels confident that they're going to have strong leadership, but it's one thing to believe that. It's another you got to go out there and do it. So I think that's kind of what he's hitting at. Arkansas, I believe, leads the SEC in returning seniors. So many super seniors. I know Ole Miss is right there with them. So they're, they're kind of neck and neck in that regard. But uh, Arkansas has got uh, a number of other seniors returning. So I think that gives them quite the edge there. But, again, where's this leadership at? Where's this toughness at? Where, how can we improve both lines of scrimmage? That'll be something to watch here in Fayetteville the first week of practice. And this is what I was talking about. Take it on Sam Pittman's mentality. Uh, Coach Pittman – Really loves this team, really loves the mentality heading into camp. And hopefully 
If you're a Razorback fan, it's just a continuation of what we saw last year. And now we're going into it with a deeper roster, more veteran roster, and some transfers here that are really going to help this defensive side of the ball. Coach, what's the mindset of this team as they head into year two under you? Yeah, I love them. I mean, I love the team. Uh, I, I think they're hungry. I think they, you know, we're a, we're a, we're a chip on the shoulder. Um, tough, proud. Um, we love the state of Arkansas. You know, that's not for recruiting. That's, that's just the truth. And um, um, I think they're a confident group. You know, you have to do something to continue to stay confident, you know. Uh, you have to have success uh, in whatever way that may be. Um, I've said it before. I thought going in at halftime against Georgia last year, even though we didn't win the game, uh, built some confidence in our program. You know, hey, we can do this. And, you know, bottom line, you put two halves together, what? You know what may or may you know what may happen, uh, but I I love the demeanor of the team. I like the new guys that we brought in, the the transfers and um, and the freshmen, and I uh, am very proud of the new coaches that we brought in. And all right, last thing from uh, Sam Pittman, kind of like Dan Mullen. Hey, these man, these coaches are in a great mood. Everybody's undefeated. Everybody's feeling good. Summer's winding down, means football is near. And so, during the presser, someone's uh, phone went off, and it was uh, Super Mario Brothers. And Sam Pittman, uh, you know, he rolled with it, and this was uh, probably the highlight of his uh, presser here. We're stealing first downs on returns or and or touchdowns. And right now, is that Frogger or, or – <laughs> No, it's the little guy, uh, Mario. Yeah, I used to spend a lot of quarters on that. Don't do that, kids. But uh, What's that? Is that Frogger? <laughs> oh, that was a good one. All right, so anytime Sam Pittman's going to be cutting up with the, the, the media boys, as Spurrier like to call it, uh, I'm here for it. All right, last team, let's uh, jump on down to Columbia. We're South Carolina. Open training camp here with the, their first media availability of the fall. And some kind of big news, but kind of, sort of, not really. Shane Beamer says that uh, Kevin Harris had a minor back surgery this offseason. Maybe that was already reported. I was just unaware of it, but uh, he shared that news. Let's kick it over to uh, Shane Beamer real quick. For now, uh, Kevin Harris had a minor uh, procedure on his back over the summer just to clean up something that's been lingering and bothering him a little bit. He looks great, uh, moves around great. He was in my office today uh, begging Clint Haggard, our trainer, to let him practice tomorrow. He's not fully cleared yet to uh, practice, but is on track, says he feels better than he ever has. Uh, excited that we were able to get that cleaned up and that minor procedure that he got done. Uh, fully expect him to be ready to go uh, game one. All right, so there you have it from uh, Coach Beamer. And, you know, it doesn't sound serious, certainly. I mean, hell, they said Kevin Harris trying to get back on the field right away. But I uh, just can't imagine a running back having a back surgery. Uh, I have no idea the nature of it. But, you know, that doesn't sound very good. But, hey, the, at least there in South Carolina, you got a loaded backfield. And, hey, did anyone see that? I tweeted about it. I don't know how many of you all are on Twitter. But 
Gene Chizik tweeted out his uh, top rushing attacks in the SEC. No South Carolina, no Ole Miss. What do those have in common? Ole Miss led the, the damn league in rushing, and they're all back. And then South Carolina had Kevin Harris, who led the league in rushing. <laughs> and they're not uh, they're not even in the top five. That's wild. They, he didn't have Kentucky either. But who do he have? He had Alabama, of course. They just lost virtually everybody in their run game. And he had Georgia. I mean, that's kind of an easy pick. He had A&M. And he had Florida for some reason. But I don't know. That's that's neither here nor there. But uh, Gene Chizik loves them front runners, I guess. But uh, <laughs> I appreciate the, the South Carolina fans kind of putting him in his place on that one. Back to the Gamecocks here. One of the uh, first comments here from Shane Beamer, I really thought uh, this is what uh, South Carolina fans need to hear because – the entire fan base, it seems like, they're pulling in the same direction. And they're inspired. And they're feeling good. They're feeling, you know, you never even hear the word champ around them anymore. Uh, you know, that was, it seems like 10 years ago. And that's something that uh, Shane Beamer said. They both, you know, putting put the 2020 season behind him. And he didn't say the champ era, but that's basically what he's trying to say here. Uh, it, it's a new day at South Carolina. And this is exactly what you need to hear if you're a Gamecock. Shane, you mentioned that, uh, you know, you had the team meeting today and then everybody but Isaiah is here. Just what's the overall prevailing mood for the guys? Is, I mean, is, does last year even come up among the veteran attorneys? No. Uh, I mean, I haven't brought it up, and, and they may talk about it. It's, uh, it's behind us. I think the mood would uh, be a great question for the players, but based on the, the way that they've worked this summer, the way that they've worked since we've been here, uh, eager to uh, get this program back to where it belongs and, and then some, you know, reach a level that we haven't been before. And they've uh, shown that to us uh, with their actions, and, and I think they're, uh, they're certainly excited to, to get to work as well. Everybody was in this team meeting uh, early and, and ready. We'd given them a little bit of time off this week. We had a fun day last Friday as a team, kind of celebrating the end of the summer. And then they had off uh, uh, Saturday, Sunday, and then a few days this week. So today was the first day seeing these guys in a few days. And everybody was here early and, and ready to roll. So much like the, the team we just talked about, I mean, this is what Sam Pittman brought to Arkansas. And it showed right out the gate, week one against Georgia. Thankfully for South Carolina, you don't got to play Georgia week one. You get them a, a couple weeks down the road, so you got more time to adapt Got more time to, you know, have some continuity and some experience in this system. But, hey, again, Beamer continues to, you know, hit all the right buttons here in the when he's speaking to the media. Now we got to see it translate to camp, translate to the practice field. And if they do that, there's going to be quite the turnaround in Columbia. But it's not just uh, me and, and all y'all that is excited about football. I really love these comments from Shane Beamer as well going into his first camp as a head coach. I mean, this man is beaming. You know, when, when Gamecocks wanted this guy, this is why they want him, because he loves the school. He loves, you know, he wants to be the guy that leads South Carolina back to where it was when he was there pre previously, and it wasn't that long ago. So Shane Beamer waking up at 4 o'clock in the morning because he just wanted to get to his office and get it as much done as possible before camp opens up. Shane, obviously this is a different opening of, of fall camp for you than, than you've had in your career. How are your emotions going into it? Are you overly excited about it? Are you redoing plans, you know, just to make sure you get it letter perfect? Uh, how are you handling 
this first camp for you? Yeah, I would say overly excited, but trying to pace myself a little bit because we got a long time until we play a game as well. Um, you know, I'm a planner, so so much of what we're doing, what we did today, I worked on back in the spring and the summer. And, and when spring practice finished, looking at things we liked and didn't like and how we want to utilize those going forward. You know, the practice schedules for every single practice in the month of August, they were done in May. Uh, in my mind. I mean, I woke up this morning. I, I couldn't sleep. I think I woke up at like 4.15 and just came into the office because I just had so much stuff on my mind. So normally the emo the, you're always excited when you're coaching tight ends at Oklahoma or tight ends at Georgia or wherever. You're worried about, you know, your position group and making sure you know where to go in practice and, and what time meetings are. Now there's just so many things, which is no different right now. It's the way it's been every day, but there's so many things that are on your mind and it's oh, crap, I forgot about that, and make sure I talk to this guy about that and, and stuff like that. So it's a lot of uh, checking things off and, and rechecking things and going back through things and things like that. But certainly excited and, and very you know, process-oriented. There's a lot to get done between now and September 4th, but just focus on what's important right now and finishing up with you guys, which I'm loving every second of, and then get ready for position meetings and the team meeting we have uh, tonight and, and practice in the morning and, and everything else as well. And then worry about, you know, the next day after that. All right. And one last thing from Shane Beamer. You got to love this. I mean, he's playing it up a little bit, but here's the reality. You know, I mean, we can talk up the Gamecocks all we want. And yes, I know they have talent at running back on the offensive line, the defensive line, potentially at quarterback and receiver. I mean, they've got players. I'm not sitting here saying they don't. But, again, you're going into an SEC slate. you got to play Clemson. I mean, this is a damn mountain you got to climb, year one especially. But if you don't play scared, if you don't play timid, if you – you know, you can't just go balls to the wall here, but, you know, you got to push the envelope. And that is something – I talked about uh, Sam Pittman, what he brought to Arkansas – I think this is a little bit what Lane Kiffin brought to Ole Miss. And I don't think those players and I don't think that program really believed in themselves under Matt Luke. Now they had Lane Kiffin, who's kind of always pushing the boundaries there and going forward on fourth down. I'm not saying you got to go every single time, but, hey, you do that, you show confidence in your team. And going from the previous coach, who was a defensive-minded guy, who, you know, I think he was happy with the field position and field goals and all that, Shane Beamer is going to push the envelope on fourth down, and this is exactly what I wanted to hear from South Carolina's first-year coach. When you're watching these, these games and putting yourself in that head coach position, are you noticing anything surprising about yourself? Are you, you going forward on fourth down a lot? Taking yeah, I think I can make time? the fan base happy if I say we're going forward on fourth down a lot, right? So, um, no, I mean, I, uh, I think it's a big – it's game by game. It's the situation. It's, it's – uh, a lot of it for me is just kind of paying attention to the clock and, and understanding how important, you know, two minute situations are and, and, and things like that. And, and obviously, uh, I had a long conversation yesterday with uh, Sylvester Croom, who I worked for at Mississippi State and, and gave me my first full time job. And he called me, which I appreciated and just talked about, you know, some of the some of the mistakes he made year one, and we talked a lot about game situations and being aggressive and, and things like that. And that's certainly that we always want to be here at Carolina, be aggressive and give our guys the best chance to, to win football games, but also understanding the, the flow of the game and 
how, you know, how your offense is playing, how your defense is playing, how you're doing on special teams, who you're playing, how they're playing. There's a lot of factors that, that certainly uh, go into that. But, you know, I want to be aggressive, always, you know, always have been, always will be. I'm not one of those guys just to sit back and try and wait for things to happen. I mean, we want to go make them happen. If that doesn't fire you up for uh, college football, I don't know what will. I mean, Beamer's feeling it down there at South Carolina. It's a new era, and it certainly seems like they've got their man down there leading the Gamecocks down there, so I can't wait for his debut. But uh, that's going to do it for uh, this episode, and uh, hey, we'll have a big announcement on the next episode. I think you guys are really going to want to tune in for Monday's show. Uh, should be, It's going to be a unique one for sure, so... Stay tuned for that. That's what we call in the biz a little bit of a teaser here, but uh, a really good teaser. It's going to be a good thing. I, th- I hope you guys will appreciate all the effort that goes into Monday's show. It's going to be unlike any other we've had. So uh, tune in. Hope you enjoyed the week. Hey, we're back to five podcasts a week. If you appreciate all this content coming to your SEC inbox, uh, we're going to be loaded with uh, all these other coaches speaking all throughout the weekend as camps open. So we're going to be, we are just going to keep the content rolling. And if you've appreciated what we've been doing all week, give us that five-star written review on the Apple podcast app that really helps the show grow. doesn't cost you a thing. And we'll send you a beer koozie free of charge just for doing it. <laughs> That's just our way of saying thanks for each and every one of you. And of course, check up, check out our YouTube page. If you're not following us on YouTube, you're not going to see what's unique about uh, Monday's show. It's, it's going to be, like I said, unlike any we've ever had. So tune in for that. As always, appreciate each and every one of you for hanging out. Catch you all in the next one.